0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Today is episode 321. We're looking at Acts chapter 27, verses 9 through 20. Let's read our passage. By now much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. When a gentle south wind sprang up, They thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long a fierce wind, called the Northeaster, rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way were being driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved." Paul is on his way to Rome. Paul's under the guard of a centurion and soldiers, along with other prisoners being transported to Rome. They traveled from Caesarea up the coast on a coastal ship, up to the southern coast of modern-day Turkey, and then caught an ocean-going cargo ship headed for Rome. A ship from Alexandria carrying grain. They. Had a lot of difficulty, got a very slow progress because of winds that were not cooperating, and they ended up not being able to go toward one island they had tried to, and ended up down on the southern side of Crete, which provided some protection from the wind, and they put in at a port called Fair Haven. That's where we pick it up here in chapter 27, verse 9. Luke tells us by now much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. So they're not making good time at all. We saw in the previous section as they had left the uh, the the original port where they found this open ocean boat that they had only gone about 130 miles over many days. So you think many days? It's man, 130 miles. There they're going very slowly. And so, much time had passed, and the voyage is already dangerous. But they are in port. They're in port at this uh, place called Fairhaven. And he says, since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his his advice and told them. Men, I can see this voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. So, the Day of Atonement, it's uh, important in that it gives us a frame of reference If we know exactly what year this is, the best guess is this is the year 59 A.D., in which case the Day of Atonement would be on October 5th. And the Day of Atonement probably occurred while they were at this port of Fair Havens. Now why this is important is at this period of time, from September 14th to November 11th, that was considered dangerous time to sail. So we're in the midst of that, if this is October 5th. So we're in this dangerous season for sailing. Not that you can't sail, but it's a dangerous time. And after November 11th, there is no sailing in the open ocean until after winter is over. So they're in the middle of October 5th. It's uh, between September 14th, November 11th. So they are halfway into this dangerous season, meaning you might do it you might not do it. depends on the conditions. Now, they've had some trouble, and that's where Luke tells us there that since the voyage was already dangerous, Paul gives his advice. Now, is this his advice? That is, as a seasoned traveler, and Paul's done a lot of traveling. The, the uh, People have tallied it up and figure Paul's traveled like 3,000 miles in, in all of his travels. In 2 Corinthians 11.25, Paul mentions, he's talking about some of his trials and tribulations, so what he's been through. He said, I've been in three shipwrecks. Now we know there's a shipwreck coming up, and that presumably is his last one, so Paul's been in two shipwrecks prior to this. He talks about spending a day and a half in the open sea. Does that mean floating, uh, clinging to a piece of driftwood in the open sea, or in a small uh, lifeboat, uh, he doesn't expand on that. But Paul's a seasoned traveler. Paul knows some stuff here. So is this just his advice as a, a traveler who's been on some shipwrecks? Or is this a divine revelation? And everybody could have their opinion here. It, it probably is just his opinion because in verse 22, we'll actually look at it next time, Paul actually receives a word from the Lord and it's a little bit different because there Paul says there will be no loss of life or injury. But here he says we're all going to die if you keep going here. So I think it's just Paul's opinion based on his experience. So verse 11, but the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Well, Luke seems to be—I don't you know—picking at the centurion, but I can't say as I blame him. If you were the centurion, who are you gonna to listen to—the ship's captain, and the people who run the ship—or this prisoner you're escorting to Rome for trial? I think I'm gonna to listen to the ship's captain myself, and he's got a mission to accomplish here, so he's probably got you know, a little pressure on himself to get to where they need to be. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete, facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. So they've given up on the idea of getting to Rome. They're hoping to get to the next harbor, this place called Phoenix, and spend the winter there. That's where some sense of what's going on here Phoenix is not far. It's like 40 miles or less away. I har- don't know exactly where this harbor is, and the uh, facing southwest and northwest. How to actually uh, translate that? It's is it facing that, or can you see it from those directions? But uh, the best guesses are that it's a, a port that's about 40 miles west, still on Crete. So they're on Crete, the island of Crete, which. Is only like 160 miles long, and on the uh, south side of the island of Crete, and the winds have been from the north, so it, it seems they might be able to do it. So just to go 40 miles, that's just a few hours. So verse 13, when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they'd achieved their purpose makes sounds reasonable they've got a gentle south wind if this just holds up for a few hours or we've made it to phoenix we're there they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of crete but before long a fierce wind called the northeaster rushed down from the island well northeaster is a actual term used in north america no place else uses that term but the the word here it's a greek word euro and it's a, it's a compound word from urus which means east wind and aquilo which means north wind so northeast wind is pretty much what he's saying now a northeast wind means it's coming from the northeast so they got blown to the south when they had to go down to, by crete and as you leave this area called fair havens you go about five miles and then you round a little bend around a cape there on the south side of crete and probably that's the point where you get this blast of wind coming across the mountains uh, just after they round this um, cape sticking out of the south part of crete and here they've got a northeast wind. They're trying to go west. If they can go another 30 miles to the west, they may have it made, or maybe 35 miles. But they get hit with this ferocious wind. Luke describes it as a fierce wind. Um, the actual literal words are a wind of hurricane force. And a rush down from the island. Verse 15. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. So now getting pushed out away from the island, pushed out into the open ocean of the Mediterranean there, being pushed to the southwest because of this northeast wind. Verse 16. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. Cauta is a little island just south of Crete, about 25 miles south of Crete. So they've been pushed 25 miles south and have kind of skirted under the uh, protection a little bit of this island of Cauda. And so they're barely able to get control of the skiff. Skiff's a small boat, like a lifeboat that's towed behind the ship. And it's probably taken old water, and so it's very difficult now to haul it up on board because it's probably pretty waterlogged at that time. Verse 17, after hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Again, while they're protected by this little island of Cauta somewhat, they're taking precautions, and so they, they gird the ship, meaning they run ropes under the ship and then tie them using ropes and tackle. Tackle's just pulleys and hooks and things. They're basically wrapping ropes around the ship to help hold the ship together because the, the raging seas can pound the ship and pretty much cause it to break apart. He says, Fearing they would run aground on the Certus, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way were driven along. Now, Sirtis, that's the very southern part of the uh, Mediterranean Ocean. Basically, it's what we understand as the Gulf of Sidra, which is Libya. And on each side of the Gulf of Sidra are these sandbanks, and they go sandbanks, what's so bad about that? Well, the trouble with these sandbanks is they're like 100 miles out in the ocean, so you get a ground on this sandbank, well, <laughs> you're there, you're stuck. It's not like you're in a radio home. Or you could get between the sandbanks and the coast and not be able to get back out again uh, into the ocean. So they're, they're afraid that this keeps going. They're going to get pushed the 400 miles over to the Gulf of Sidra and get caught there. So they lower this sea anchor or drift anchor. It says here, um, actually, the... the <laughs> They're assuming drift anchor because the word used here, roughly, some say it means instrument. It can basically mean thing. So Luke basically saying they lowered the thing. Well, a sea anchor can be an actual device that's made or it can be something you put together on the fly, even from uh, torn up sails that you're dropping into the water. The whole point of a sea anchor is it's in the water. And it provides some stability against the wind. The wind is moving faster than the ocean current. And so by dragging something in the water, you're uh, lessening the effect of the wind. You're basically slowing yourself down. It's like putting a brake down. It's like a a, a parachute that you would uh, pull behind you in, in the water itself. And so this is trying to slow down the effects of the wind. Verse 18 because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. Well, we know the cargo's, we're assuming, is grain. It's coming from Alexandria, so they're throwing grain overboard. They don't throw all overboard, because we'll see later. They throw the rest of it overboard. Then verse 19, On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now, the tackle could mean a variety of things, but pretty much anything that they don't absolutely need right now. It could mean... Uh, parts of uh, masts and things, uh, but they're, they're throwing all the extra weight over. The whole point here is to get the ship uh, up out of the water as much as they can because they're afraid of running aground. If they run aground, not only are they stuck where they are, but the, if it's rocks, it, the ship could be torn apart. Then, verse 20 For many days neither sun nor stars appeared. And the severe storm kept raging. finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. So it says many days, dark, no sun, no stars, just storm, and who knows where they're going, what direction they're even going. It's not like they have compasses and instruments uh, so they don't know where they are, where they're going, and they're just in the open ocean being beaten by this terrible storm. And so hope is fading that we would be saved. Now, is Luke intentionally using the word for salvation here, intending what's coming, uh, a message from God? I don't know. You be the judge of that. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.